Well, um, I'm going to continue with the series we've been on talking about strengthening the family. We're on part three. And I'm going to do my best to just share from my heart tonight. I'm going to teach a few things, but I'm in a, I'm in a personal moment where um, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to bear my soul with you a bit. The, I'm in a, a personal moment of deep conviction by, by the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to dramatize it or spiritualize it anything more than that. But the Lord has been uh, really showing me me over the last several weeks in a um, profound way. And it's been disruptive in the best way. Um, but deeply, deeply convicting. And um, he's brought me to repentance in, in a variety of areas. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that tonight. It just so happened about three or four weeks ago as we were planning how we're going to do this series. I was in the middle of this time with the Lord really just encountering me. And, um, and Ashland and I were talking and we, he said, well, we need someone, we need one of us to take the the, the 19th and, and talk about parenting and well it just happened to be the moment that I'm in how the Lord's been actually dealing with me about a variety of things and one of the specific things is about my own parenting so rather than uh, instructing you from the place of great achievement I am going to uh, share from my own brokenness and weakness is that all right? And if you guys would mind uh, just trying to meet me in this, I think the Lord, I think he'll meet you too. And so um, let's pray and I'll, I'll do my best to get through all of this without turning into a puddle on the floor up here. All right. So Lord, we, we love you and we thank you that your word's true. And I'm asking you, Lord, help. Let me share the things that You've put on my heart, share how you're working in my own heart, and I want to unfold the word in a way that's helpful and encouraging, and so I, I determined to hold your hand and to share vulnerably and openly, so Holy Spirit, I ask that as I, as I just offer weakness, that you'd meet it with strength, you'd meet it with power, and I want to tell you I love you, Lord. We love you. And so we just ask you, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, as I share, I pray that you would teach us. You'd be the instructor. You'd teach us of the, of the truth of who you are. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so uh, I'll be talking about parenting. Let me lay a few foundational thoughts. Um, and this is good for you if you're not a parent. Um, I'm finding that storing up wisdom uh, of every kind is so helpful in, in so many ways. And so um, you're, I see singles in the room, young people. And um, if you're not a parent, I would just encourage you, this will be, this will be helpful for you. So don't, don't think, oh, I came to church on the wrong night. I wanted to know about dating. You know, <laughs> this is going to be good too, I promise. Um, so... Uh, Let's just start with this. So like the, the parent-child relationship, that, that 
relationship. That's a design from heaven. That God is the one that came up with that idea. Um, we can oftentimes just imagine that things sort of with family, husband, wife, uh, father, child, mother, child, that that is some sort of product of circumstance. No, that's, that's not a product of circumstance. That's God. He set that up. It's extremely intentional with all of our relationships, the way he set up the construct of all of our relationships. And this, this relationship, this parent-child relationship, it's, it's the most foundational relationship in our lives. Um, it, it remains the most foundational relationship. It, it, it impacts us through um, our adulthood. It's shocking, isn't it? How uh, your experiences as a child growing up actually impact how you behave and think and reason and how you form relationships, even as an adult. And uh, it's interesting because that parent-child relationship, it, it takes on, uh, it only transitions when a child leaves their home. It transitions in a, in a dynamic way. And, and when that child gets married, that is a very clear point of leaving the parents and cleaving to a spouse and a new foundational relationship is then formed. And that husband and wife relationship becomes then that most powerful foundational relationship. But the thing about that parent-child relationship is so divine. I mean, if you think about it, it's so important how God set this thing up. It lays tracks in us um, that that speak to us of so many, so many things in our whole life. And so I was thinking about it, you know, firstly, of course, the parents and child relationship, that speaks to us of God, right? It, it tells us the nature and the knowledge of God. We find um, the components of masculinity and femininity and the mother and father, those are both resident in, in God. And, and so we find these these components of instruction and nurture and care and protection and provision in that parent-child relationship. That, there's probably nothing that puts an imprint on the heart about who God is more deeply than your relationship with your parents. It just, it's just foundational in that. That's, that's uh, called theology. <laughs> what is God like? And it's wild to think that, that humans, I just, I'm like, God, you're like really risking it, that he entrusts humans with the power to impact children and put an imprint on them about what he is like. What a... What a shocker. I mean, I, that would, you know, I, I, oftentimes I look at God and I think, if I were you, I wouldn't do it that way. And he always answers the same thing. It's a good thing you're not me. <laughs> You'd blow it. And I, I, yes, sir, I would. <laughs> Gloriously. Uh, and so anyway, that, that, just the wonder of that is just amazing. That you and I, as parents, as people, that if, if, you, if maybe if you're single, if you get married and have kids... I mean, I'm a father, my wife and I, we have four children. But that we would have that honor, that dignity to put an imprint on our children of what God is like. 
It's fascinating to me that he, this deep dive into theology that goes into the heart at a formative age, he puts that, he puts that in this parent-child relationship. Shocking. Well, so that's theology. Well, the other thing about that relationship is uh, that, that relationship with your, with your parents, it speaks to you of your identity, of yourself. Uh, it, it's the most formative thing that tells you about you. And, um, and, and so that's psychology. Um, psychology, some would say it's the study of the mind, but the suke, that beginning of that, of that preposition, suke, that's, that is actually the mind or the self. Self-knowledge firstly comes from the way your parents relate to you. So just, just think about the power of this. This is just stunning. How parents relate to their children tells them about who God is, which is the most important thing about anybody. It's what they think about God. That's the most important thing about any of us, what we think about God. And then it tells us about ourselves, our identity. Shocking, shocking, shocking. So what a risk that God would entrust that power into the hands of human beings. Uh, What a risk. But evidently, God understands that risk fully. And he knows how to get right in the middle of the mess that we're going to make of this thing. Because we're going to make a mess out of it. And then to redeem whatever the mess is and make it... See, redemption is a shocker because he can actually not only gain back what was lost, but he gains back what was lost and does it with interest. He actually does, he actually redeems it and makes it better than it had been. And so, he, so he's that able, that's the point, he's that able, so he doesn't mind risking in this way. You know, to put it in the hands of broken men and women, these imprints, these thumbprints that we put on our kids, he, he, he totally gets the risk of that and he's fully able to make all the flaws turn out for better. So it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, the other thing that that relationship does, parents and children, the other thing it does is it models for us how we interact with our world. You know, how we interact with others, how we interact with possessions, things, Children learn by seeing, right? I mean, they, whatever they see, that's what they're, they're just sponging that up. And so the parent is the one that's constantly instructing through modeling. And however the parent acts, that is what the child is taught. So like if you have a fearful parent, you'll find the child will take on those same kind of those same kind of anxieties. And, and that thing, it, it, it ripples out in so many different habits. And, and you can just see it in kids, man. They just, they just act, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Isn't that right? And they just act like the, the one they came from. And it's because we learn how to interact with our world from our, from our parents. And so th- th- this, uh, these identities, who God is, who self is, how we interact, I mean, that's just 
unbelievable that that's all wrapped up in this singular relationship. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this parenting relationship, it's, it is mind-bogglingly important. It's incredibly important. And, and uh, you know, here's the thing. If we think about parenting as, okay, just give me the 10 steps to apply to my kid so that when I put in the right ingredients, put them in the oven, bake them just right, that they're going to come out the other end a perfect Christian human being. If we think that's what parenting is, we've completely missed the point. Because what it actually is, it's this instructive relationship, but it's this, it's this um, interaction of nurture and love that is so integrated and interrelated that not only is the child being deeply instructed through the parent-child relationship, the parent is being deeply instructed. Like, I mean, I've learned as much about life from being in God, from being a father, you know, as I learned growing up, you know, from my father. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I learned just volumes from being on the other side of the relationship. So it's by instructional. It's instructional both directions. And I think uh, um, one of the most challenging things is when uh, a young man and a young woman, when they get married and have babies, and, and maybe they're young parents, there's this, there's this sort of pressure to try to act like you know what you're doing. And so we do this to our firstborns, and we're, they're going to be perfect. And you can just about throw any group of human beings in a room together, and you can find the firstborns pretty easy. These, they're going to be perfectionists. They're going to be high achievers. They're going to get it just right every time. They're gonna take, why? Because we did that to them. Because we were like, I'm not going to mess this up, and I'm going to make it just right. You're going to be just right. It's organic peas for you. <laughs> And, uh, well, the point of it all is, the point of it all is that we're going to be broken in it. <laughs> and God's going to, the parents aren't going to be the hero. God is. That's the point of the whole thing. It's not about a list of, of, of you know, one, two, three, four, fives that you apply to your kid and now he comes out the other end just picture perfect. It's that you are going to mess it up. And God is going to be strong in your mess. And he is, going to, he is going to detail who he is in that relationship, even if you do it really, really badly. Even if you had a really, really bad example and experience with your own parents, God can step in redemptively and gain back everything that was lost and add interest to it. But I think there's a, there's a big if on that. If, we'll let him. If, we'll let him. And um, I was talking to my kids last night, and I'm going I'm to the, I'm get into the disclosing of my heart here momentarily, but uh, I was talking to my, my sons. All my kids were in the room last night. And I'm a 50-year-old father of four kids. And, my, you know, my oldest son, he's 22. 
my my youngest daughter, she's ten. And the the I mean, just the plain truth is, my daughter got a much better version of a father than my my oldest son got. Like she just she got a much she got a forty year old guy, been through some some stuff, not tons of stuff, but some stuff. My my oldest son, he got a 28-year-old that was sure he knew everything. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so their experience of even what, who, who, who I am as their dad was so radically different. And um, just being honest, I'm, I'm honestly pained over what my oldest son got versus what my daughter has gotten and, and I, I don't want to say she's gotten the perfect version because I'm going to find out probably in 10 years how much I messed her up. But it's a, it, she got, she's just gotten a better deal for sure. And, and, but here's the thing. The Lord knows. The Lord knows how to, to meet everybody in whatever the mess is. Well, uh, I've made huge mistakes as a father. I've made in some in some ways what you would think of as irreparable mistakes i've made i mean just incredibly poor parenting decisions um you know from all the way from stupid to sin you know and everything in between and um i i hear regularly and i just, so i just want to like set the record straight People see my, my boys, and my boys are all serving the Lord, and we all have the same hairdo. And they think, wow, you just raised three guys just like you. Way to go, pastor. Oh. And I just, I, you know, I mean, I just got to be honest. I messed it up big time. I'm, I messed it up big time. <laughs> And um, and so the fact of the matter is, what you see in my kids is a product of the grace of God um, and redemption, as much as it's a product of any kind of quote unquote like good parenting or something like that. And so just being real, just keep it real. So uh, I'll read you a quote, and then I'll tell you some some of the stuff the Lord's been doing to me. So here we go. Here's a parenting quote from my wife's favorite author. Here it is. It is imperative that parents be the safest people for their kids to be with. When your child knows he can fail with you and not lose your affection, it creates a powerful and enduring bond between the two of you. This is a massive truth that parents must understand. God is not frustrated or agitated with you when you make a mistake. He still enjoys you in your weakness and shortcomings. And we must, as parents, give them that same grace and love. Praise God. Good word, right? Yep. It's my wife's favorite author. That's me. 
I wrote that. I wrote that about nine years ago. I wrote that just before my kids were about to be teenagers. I was so sure I had this parenting deal nailed. I had it nailed. And, um, and I just, I, I wrote that in my last book, To Know Him, which came out in 2013. I'd written it the, the year before. And um, so my, my oldest would have been just turning 13 at the time I wrote this. And um, I wrote chapters on parenting in that book. Well, I'll tell you what happened just in recent days. I was um, talking to one of my sons, and I'll just leave them. It'll all be the same son, but it, the stories may be different, but I'm conflating them so as not to reveal the identity of any of the characters. Um, but I was talking to one of my sons recently, and, uh, and he said something that you want, you want your kid to say to you as a dad. I asked him, I said, hey, it really feels like our relationship has just gotten even better. It just, I mean, it just feels like there's just even a flow, like an awesome flow that we've got. It's even better than it was. And he said, yeah. He goes, I feel that. And I said, man, that's awesome. And uh, I, said, I said, what do you think that is? And he said, I just realized, here's what he said to me. He said, I realize you're my safe place. And I just thought, man, that, if you wanted your kid to say something to you, that's the sentence. Except for when he said that, the phrase, I just realized, stuck out to me. And I went, I, you know, I said, that is so meaningful. Thank you so much for saying that. And um, could you tell me, was there a time when you didn't feel like I was your safe place? And he um, thought about it for about one second. And he brought up this time when he was a teenager and he, he was so honest. He said, he said, there was the situation and he explained it all and I remembered the moment. And he said, what he said and what he had done was in front of a group of his friends, he had basically backtalked me really badly. <laughs> like like not low level, like high level. Uh, but he was doing it out of misunderstanding. So it didn't make what he did right. It just was, it was awkward and offensive and it hurt, it, it, it hurt my pride and just my dignity and just all of it. And, uh, and, he, and he, said, I knew, he said, I knew what I did was wrong. I didn't quite understand why it was wrong because I didn't understand the situation, but I was back talking. And he said, but... Uh, and, and so he and his buddies had to go away for a minute and they had to come back. And after they came back, I really corrected them because you just don't talk like that. You just don't back talk that way. And I corrected him severely. Um, I didn't yell. I, you know, I grew up with yelling in the home. I knew, I know yelling is just no good, but I'm, I'm a communicator. If I want to communicate to you, I can communicate to you exactly what I want. And I said it to him in a way that was like a hammer. And I, I mean, I just, I laid it on. You'll never do that again. And I said five reasons why. I was, I was 
I was frustrated. I was angry. I was, uh, my, my pride was hurt. And it was wrong. It was sin. Well, he, he said that moment, he took that away. He took that correction away. And he went away and he went in the bathroom and he cried for an hour. And um, there was something about that idea of my son being in the bathroom crying by himself because I took out my frustration on him. Man, it hit me. It hit me so hard. And, uh, and I just started feeling sick about it. And uh, so I apologized. Well, my other son is sitting there. And he brings up a similar situation where I didn't get frustrated. And he was, he was, trying, to, he was trying to encourage me. See, Dad, you did it with me, and he didn't. He goes, you didn't get frustrated. He goes, and here's what he said. And again, it was the good sentence with the one phrase that got my attention. He goes, he goes I was so afraid you were going to be mad. And I went, uh-huh. He goes, but you weren't. And I went, yeah, that's good. But I was so afraid. Got me. It's kind of like Adam in the garden. How did you know you were naked? What is it you were afraid of? So I worked with the one son. I repented to him. I said, I'm so sorry, son. And uh, Just really just so sick over that, that. It would take him so long to see me as a safe place for him. And so then I went back to the other son and, and I brought up that phrase to him. And I said, obviously you were afraid because there's something I've done to make you feel that way. And can you remember a time? And then one second, and he's got the, he's got the same exact situation different time, different place, but it's the same kind of situation where I corrected him really hard. And, um, and he said, I, and I just watched different times when you corrected the others, and I thought, I don't want to be corrected like that, so I was afraid. And so those two conversations started a ball rolling in my heart that I felt like the Lord just putting his finger, his fiery finger on my own heart, areas of pride, frustration, and anger, and he was teasing it out over this area of parenting, and uh, I've, I've been experiencing the deep conviction of the Lord um, for the last several weeks in a profound way. Well, I realized, you know, it wasn't just the parenting, it was my leadership, and other areas and a lot of people that experience me you don't experience me frustrated I don't walk around frustrated I'm a pretty happy person I'm pretty joyful I like people I like you but those moments you know I would think well I gave you 10 chances on the 11th chance that's that's beyond the limit and then Jesus whispered to me and he said how's that go with 70 times 7 And I, I mean, I just started to get so convicted. 
well, I've been on a repentance tour in the last several weeks. It hadn't stopped. And uh, you can take a number. We'll have a meeting if you need it, honestly. I, don't, I honestly just, I mean that. If I've done something in some way that hurts your heart, I really want to own it and just repent because at the end of the day, I'd rather be a lover and love you than hold on to pride and arrogance and frustration. And so uh, that quote, I went back and looked at it today as I was getting ready for tonight. It is imperative that parents be the safest people for their kids to be with. God is not frustrated or agitated with you when you make a mistake. It's a massive truth that parents must understand. And I thought, man, Lord, just honestly, like, thank you for letting me have the opportunity to repent now. And I don't want to show up at the judgment seat with my books that I've written in my hand. And he goes, hey, turn to page 137 and read that piece to me. That would be really rough. Well, just for the rest of our time, I, I, I think I want to just dial in on this point that correction, correction might be the most important, important part of parenting. Might be. I'm not saying it is, but it may be. Nurture is important. Instruction is important. Care, provision affirmation, I mean, so many, so many things, empowerment, encouragement, so many things are important for sure. But when I think about correction, it, it has a dynamic on it that's different than some of the other pieces of parenting. Uh, and, 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 and for a few reasons, you know, um, you know, when you, when you think about Correction. Obviously, there's got to be something that's been done wrong for a child to be corrected, right? There's got to be some kind of thing. To, in order, if you have to bring discipline, it's because they've done something wrong, right? And so every kid wants to please their parents, even if they act like a knucklehead. You know, it doesn't matter how mischievous your kid is. There's a, they have a deep desire to please you. They really do. And, uh, and especially when they're young, like... Uh, you know, up to about 10, like, that's their whole world is just making sure mom and dad are, are happy and okay. And, you know, about 10, 11, they start reasoning, and they want to prove their independence, and they say things that are crazy, and they act in crazy ways. But even that 15-year-old that just walks around with a sour look all the time, they actually still want your approval, <laughs> for sure. They're just trying to stretch their legs. Let them turn 21. At 21, they go, wait a minute, what have I done? I need my parents, <laughs> you know. So, you, you know, you, a kid kind of thinks they know everything starting at about 13, and that starts wearing off at about 19 or 20. And at 21, they go, dear Lord, I know nothing. I need help. Parents. <laughs> but uh, so because your kids want to please you so much, when they come to the knowledge that they've done something wrong, there's this sort of traumatic thing happening, right? Like, oh gosh, I've, I've displeased them. I've done wrong. Oh, 
how is this gonna go, right? And so there's this moment of uh, shakiness, this wobbliness. And so how that, how that works out with them is huge. I mean, how those, how those moments of correction and discipline work out with them is huge because there's this thing of, do you still love me in my sin and in my weakness? And when we take into account all the things that the parent-child relationship impacts our hearts with, you can see how that correction moment is so critical to everything else. When I'm thinking about my, my own kids and my own shortcomings, the things that impacted them were the fact that I, at times, corrected them improperly. I corrected them in sin, and that's what hurt them. And so I'm, I'm being instructed about that. And so, the, you know, the thing about correction is it speaks a lot about who the parent is. You tend to correct someone out of who you are. And always who the parent is speaks volumes about who God is. And that's what the kid ends up having to work with, Right? Um, If you grew up in a house where yelling and strong, stern correction was the norm, you probably grew up thinking God was this angry, you know, harsh father. If you grew up in a home where there was no correction, it was passivity and whatever, you probably grew up thinking God doesn't really care, he's disinterested. And, um, and there's a million different versions of that, right? Like how that can play out. But uh, I think how, how a parent corrects their child, it, it speaks a ton to the child about the nature of the parent. It speaks a ton uh, to them about the nature of God. And it speaks to the child that identity, who they are, are they valuable? Are they worthy to be loved? There's so many things about this correction thing. So, man, if, you know, if you, if you get it wrong, God's redemp- he's redemptive. I mean, I've, I've seen it with my own children through a lot of pain and a lot of tears. Um, God's even redeemed, you know, stuff that had my kids flinching in certain ways emotionally with me. And, and I'm watching him do it right now as he's redeemed, redeemed even these, these uh, recent days, things that have been addressed. Um, but if you can get it right, if you can get the correction thing right, man, that, that can make such a dynamic impact on your kids, on the way they think about you, the way they think about God, the way they think about themselves. So um, let me give you a few thoughts on that. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about my own failures. (laughs) I'm just using this as a therapy session. I won't won't charge y'all at all. Um, So how how God corrects us, super instructive. It's super instructive to how we're supposed to correct. Okay, that's the model. 
Now, just, just hear me real clearly. How God corrects us is the model for how we're to correct our children. So we have to get clear on what God's voice is like in instruction and correction if we're ever going to be able to, to offer godly instruction and correction to our children. Um, if we just go ahead and do the same pattern of correction that we've been raised with, uh, it, it's likely, it's very likely that we are not going to represent the heart of God properly. Okay? Um, and, and what's difficult about that is we will inadvertently reproduce the very things that we experienced, even all the while saying, I'll never do that to my kid. There's this interesting principle. Uh, Jesus taught this principle of retention, the retention of sin. He goes, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. But ever, whoever sins you do not forgive, they will be retained. And he wasn't saying they'll be, like, if you forgive their sin, then God forgives them. He wasn't saying that. He was saying if you forgive someone's sins, who sins against you, if you forgive them, it's cleared out of you. You're released. You're freed. But if you don't forgive them, you retain the same sin. That's why when you see um, children reproducing the very same sins that their parents inflicted upon them, and you see the children reproducing that on their children, that's that principle of retaining the sin. Does that make sense? And that's why forgiveness is absolutely essential. Like, if you can forgive, then you will not reproduce. Or it's less likely. You could reproduce because, even if you have forgiven because it's what you were used to. But so if we can just say, like, let's just start with this idea. Like, we're going we're gonna to parent the way God parents us. Okay? We're going to parent the way God parents us. So that requires us to know who he is as a parent, who he is as a father, the way he thinks about us, the way he loves us. Um, the way he corrects us. We gotta know that. And, and, and we have to get that based from the scripture first because here's what I've even found in my own life is there's often times where the Lord was bringing conviction to me, but because I didn't, you know, in the past when I didn't have uh, clarity on what God was like, I would just superimpose sort of the voice of my um, parent or um, like a father figure that I had. I would impose that voice on God's correction. And so where God is kind, I would impose a harsh voice at times, imagining the Lord was being harsh with me. So you have to start with the word about what's God like, how does he relate to us, and then you can sort of, then you can sort of now begin to form a framework of now how am I supposed to relate to my kids. So we probably know this verse, but the question is, do we believe it? Proverbs 3, verse 11, he says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. 
For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And he does it, basically, he says it this way, he does it just like a doting father would do it. Now that is so interesting. Because the father, when he's bringing correction, he's doing it with a complete heart of delight and pleasure in us. Even in our um, craziest mistakes and even in our sin, he still delights and takes pleasure in us. I, uh, in that same book that I wrote uh, uh, to know him, um, I tell a story about my daughter when she was, however old you are when you're eating in the high chair. I don't know, what, how old? Two? One? My wife's giving me the signals. One? And uh, we, had, we were eating lunch, and my daughter, uh, she finished early, so we let her down and let her scurry around the kitchen while we're finishing up lunch. And um, one of my sons yells out, Raya, no! And, and I'm like, well, what, what? And, and the other one goes, oh my gosh, my baby sister is a raccoon. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And I look over and she's got a mouthful of food, which is weird because she's finished her food, but she's... So she, she's on the ground. She's like running around, but she's got a mouth full of food. And, and uh, she's gone in the trash can and dug out some moldy grapes. And she stuffed them all in her mouth. And so my, my son goes, she's a raccoon, you know, foraging through the trash. And I said, Raya. No, I didn't know what it was, but give it to me, you know. And she spits out this, this mouthful of moldy grapes in my, in my hand. And I'm laughing. I'm just laughing at it. And she's kind of smiling at me, and I'm laughing at her. And I'm like, no. And she's like, hee hee, you know. And we go about our lives. Well, I mean, that's how the Father corrects us. He goes, I know you think those moldy grapes are good for you. They are not. Spit them here. Because if you grow up to be a moldy grape eater, we're going to have a problem. Mostly that you'll get sick and die. Don't do that. And when we imagine that he's correcting us out of this harsh, agitated, angry voice, we're mostly superimposing some other voice upon him. Just not how he is. He's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not insecure in our failures. He's not thrown off by our bad choices. He doesn't, oh no, what am I going to do with you now? He, he never thinks that. He goes, I know exactly what I'm going to do with you now. Spit that out. I'm going to love you until you want love more than you want those nasty grapes. 
That's his agenda. I'm going I'm to pour love into you till love burns up every other desire you have. So he corrects us always by love, always in delight, always he corrects us even when we're sin. Now, he doesn't take pleasure in the sin. He doesn't look at the sin and go, oh, that's good stuff. No, this, he goes, those grapes are nasty. Don't do that. I love you, but don't do that. And he separates the sin from the way he feels about us. Well, secondly, whenever God corrects us, he always corrects us in peace, in peace. This is huge. This is speaking right to me for the areas of my own failures. So, so I'll give you two verses. And the notes are on the website if you want them, um, gatecityatl.com. Um, two verses. James 3.18 says this. says, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, okay? So I'm gonna sow a seed to get a fruit of righteousness, all right? When that seed is sown, it's always sown in peace. That's what James says. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The writer of Hebrews says this, uses the exact same terminology. He says, no correction, no chastening or correction seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Correction yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. James tells us that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. The point is that when God corrects us, he always corrects us by and for love, and he does it in peace. What does that mean? That means he's never flying off the handle to, to tear your butt up because you've done something wrong. It's just not how he corrects. He doesn't correct you to scar your soul with trauma. Am I making sense? He sows it in peace. And I can't tell you how many times the correction, the, the sweet discipline of the Lord has come to me and he's met me in such kindness and such peace and then put a mirror in front of me to show me my sin. When he corrects, it is always, it is always in peace. It's never rage. You know, some, some of us have been corrected in anger and in rage, and we've imagined that's how God corrects. That is not God. That is not him. And I would just tell you that when we reproduce that sin of correcting in frustration and anger, it sows violence into our children. And it, it hurts them and wounds them. And uh, it's the very thing that 
my children are being bold and courageous enough to tell me about right now. And here's what I, here's what I realized about me. I, like I said, I, I experienced that kind of correction from fathers and father figures in my life. And what I said is I'll never be like that. And I forgave it. And, and what I did was I grew up uh, thinking I'm going to be so much more gentle and tender in correction than what I was, how I was corrected. And so I, I grew up comparing myself as a young father, comparing myself to the corrections that I had received. And I'm thinking, man, I am one-tenth as frustrated and angry as the ones that handled me. And that means I'm 100% more angry and frustrated than Jesus. Do you see, my, my, do you see my, my problem? My problem is those who compare themselves against others of themselves, they're not wise. My problem is I lack wisdom in my comparison because I'm imagining that my comparative lack of frustration and anger is somehow really righteous. That's the definition of self-righteousness. When you look at yourself compared to somebody else and you say, I'm better than they are, I must be righteous. And Jesus just goes, hey, buddy. Hey, bud. Hey, look over here. Take, take a look at me. How often do you see me correct in anger my own children? When have I ever convicted you and corrected you with a frustrated tone, son? Guilty. Well, that's it. He sows it in peace every time. And then here's the third one. I'll end with this. And I'll tell one more thing. But we know he corrects in love. We know he corrects in peace. <laughs> I honestly don't feel sorry for you guys. I'm just going to say this. Like, you're like, oh, Wednesday night, parenting. How, how intense could it be? It would be nice and easy. <laughs> I know this is a, a bit of a heavy thing because I'm, I'm bearing my soul a bit, but it just is where I am. And so I just want to just be true and honest. And so if it's heavy, I, I hope it's helpful. But uh, so he always corrects in love. He always sows the correction in peace. When he corrects, it's always truth. So it's always love, peace, and truth, okay? And, and here's a massive mistake that I've made. I realize, you know, you can get proficient in knowing truth without having that truth heated in the furnace of love. Because when God speaks truth, he even instructs us to speak the truth in love. And he actually uses the analogy in Ephesians 4 as it relates to growing up spiritually. 
He says, speak the truth in love uh, that you can grow up into Christ. He goes, don't be children thrown about like every wind of doctrine. He goes, but speaking the truth in love with one another will grow up. And, and so he's using the example of a child growing up and describing that truth has to be administered in love if it's going to be effective in causing the child to grow. Does this make sense? And here's what I realize about me. I, I mean, I've been reading the Bible hours and hours and hours, studying the Bible thousands and thousands of hours for 30 years. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying, oh, I know the Bible better than anybody, but I know a lot of Bible. I mean, I know a lot about what the words on the page say. I, I know a lot of the words on the page. I can quote a lot of it. It's easy for me to tell you what's truth. What I realized was if I don't administer truth from a uh, place of love, if I do it from a place of frustration, that truth is going to bruise instead of brand the heart. You know, and the thing about, you, you ever seen like, like when they brand cattle, you know, they take that brand and they put it in a fire and they get it heated up and then they, they you know, they don't like smash the cattle with it. They just, they just put it right on there. It's so hot that it instantaneously brands the hide. But if you had that same brand and you didn't have it heated right, you, to, to leave a mark, you'd have to hit it really hard to, to leave a mark. And what I realize is this, is if you speak truth to your kid, but you speak it out of frustration and anger or pride or some other angle, angle besides a heart burning in love for, their, for them, you're bruising them instead of branding them. And um, I'll just end with this. I was saying this to my kids. And uh, my, one of my sons, he said this back to me and just, man, it just broke me. He said, Dad, I realized, he goes, I don't know, somewhere along the line, I realized you're always telling me the truth. Like, I can trust what you're saying. It's truth. It's, it's Bible. It's good. He goes, but sometimes I couldn't figure out what was wrong because though you had told me truth, it was, it hurt my heart. <laughs> and I'm just like, so, I'm so grateful to get the honest feedback from my kids, you know. And he goes, and I couldn't figure out what it was that was wrong, but, but I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how to discern it as a young guy. And, uh, and I said, it's because I was giving it to you through the lens of frustration instead of through the lens of affection. I was giving you a cold branding iron instead of a hot one. And so the truth was bruising instead of branding you. And he just, he, man, he looked at me, he goes, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> he goes, that makes so much so clear. Because he was confused, think about this, because of my improper way that I was correcting, 
he was confused about what was true and what wasn't. I was giving him truth, but it wasn't heated in the fires of love. I've been saying it this way. I could serve you up a steak. I could give you the best choice piece of meat, prime, $100 aged steak. Cook it exactly how you like. Season it exactly how you like. If you're a vegan or vegetarian here, God bless you. I can give you a giant slab of tofu. But I can give you that best steak there is. And I, you know, I imagine, I, and it's got the butter, the herb butter, and it's just flowing off the sides. And I'm just putting this right in front of you. And I get, I get you one of those big steak knives so you can just dig in. And right before you get the, you know, you're just getting ready to go, whoa, 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 I got something for you. And I pull out some rancid old A1 steak sauce from 1973 that's rotten. I go, you're going to love it. And put it all over the top of your steak. And you're like, dude, what? I'm like, it's perfect steak. It's perfect steak. Eat it. And you're going, I don't understand how I'm supposed to eat. This is nasty, what you just put on here. And I go, it's steak. It's the best steak. Eat it. And you're looking at me like, dude, your sauce is rancid. That's what happens when we correct That's what happens when we don't correct in love. It could be true. It could be the best truth. But we've, we've corrupted it with this rotten thing we put on it. And um, I'm, I'm like, I'm so worked by the Lord. I'm just like, Lord, just, just deal with every part of me. I don't, I don't want any of this. I want to love the way you love. And I want to, I want to love my kids the way you love me. And I want to, I want to correct them the way you correct me. And I, I'll tell you what I had to do. I went back to all my children and I made a covenant with him. I promised him. I said, I will never do that again. I will never correct you out of frustration. I will never correct you out of anger or out of pride. I said, in the name of Jesus, by the grace of God, I will never do that again. And I had to beg them for forgiveness. And they've been so gracious to me. They've been so kind. And they've, you know, you can make your 20-year-old son cry, you're doing something. I mean, they're crying, and I'm crying, and, and the Lord's meeting us in that place of brokenness. Well, I mean, I'm sure he wants to do that with many of us. And so I just thought I'd share that way just to give you courage. Uh, really, I did it to be honest. <laughs> but I wanted to give you courage. That if you find that you're insufficient in, in the way that you're, you know, loving your kids, the way that you're parenting, that there's, there's redemptive power in the place of repentance and humility. There's redemptive power. And he can make it all back with interest. 
but it requires us, it really requires us to humble ourselves and to, to repent and to ask the Lord to, to dig it up out of us. Amen? Cool. Let's stand. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being gracious and just letting me share. So, Lord, right now I'm just asking that you would shine your light on our hearts that where we have parented and specifically where we've corrected our kids in a way that's not like you, that you would, you would come in with that, that pure conviction that you would meet us you would meet us, Jesus. And you would convict us and heal us, bring us to repentance, and then give us the courage to own our own sin with our children so that we can see their hearts healed and that they can see you. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now, without any hint of shame, would you just blow right on in? Just blow right on through us and help us. Help us to love the way you love. Help us to love our kids the way, the way you love us parent them the way that you parent us. We just give you thanks, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray for those that where they've been wounded in their own soul through parent 